0: All aboard! That Michael Rubin, he knows his way around a harmonica, I ain't lying. That's a quote from Charlie Musselwhite on the back of his new CD that I have in hand. Today we're going to talk about the release date and how you can get your hands on on a copy of Michael Rubin's CD. It says, I'll worry if I want to. So let's get into the interview right now. We've arrived in Jamestown. Okay. Hi, everybody. I am here today with Michael Rubin. And no, we've talked before, and he's been working on his first cd release and it is coming out and it is fabulous so let's get started how do you feel about such a big achievement sir
1: i'm really excited you know i've i've over the years i've been in a lot of bands and i uh we've put out cds where i'm featured on it and uh one time i put out like a collection of of sidemen work that i did but um this is the first time that I've put out my own solo album where I write the tunes and I play and sing. And really the, you know, obviously I had to delegate some things, you know, I can't play guitar. So I had to hire somebody to play guitar, but the amount of work that went into this, I'd never seen anything like it before. And so I'm real proud that, uh, that it's, it's that I've completed it and that it's, Going to be, uh, you know, some people have already got the hard copy of the CD, but the actual release is April 29th. So I'm, you know, very excited that people are going to get a chance to hear this.
0: That is, Thanks exciting. for having me. Oh, you bet. <clears throat> Excuse me. That is exciting news. And what an accomplishment I that you've achieved because it looks easy when you plop a CD in and listen in your car and you're going down the road and you're enjoying the tunes, but there's so much that got that there to you and so you got to get on the ground floor and do that and that is a great achievement it's adorable too i mean i i'm sure you don't want someone using that uh phrase about your cd as being adorable but i just love the artwork (laughs) it is it's adorable and the picture that you have on the back that's priceless that that just says it all right there so good good job on that part from a graphic um, artist
1: here yeah the the picture was taken by my co-producer of the cd i produced it with uh but the the real the main producer is josh falero and he took that picture and we'll talk more about josh i'm sure um but the drawing on the front you know i'm a cartoonist and i uh, i gave my graphic artist kind of a rough draft of what i wanted it to look like and he came up with that and uh so if you if you haven't seen it The album is called I'll Worry If I Wanna, and it has a picture of me uh, uh, trying to meditate, but it's not working out so well and I'm pulling out my hair. And there's uh, a couple of much more relaxed people in the background. Um, One of them is getting slightly bothered by my botheration. And uh, anyway, so Dan Grissom uh, drew that, and Dan uh, is an Austin artist who is in my band, the McMercy Family Band, and he, he actually sings backup on the on a couple of the songs, but uh, Dan is a real famous artist, you know, he's done work for Metallica and Weird Al Yankovic, and his work is everywhere in Austin, if you live in Austin, you know his work.
0: Well, then I'm glad I find it quite charming and, and good, because yeah. I have good taste, ha ha. That's awesome. Um I do I really like it. Uh you are in a phenomenal place where music's happening and you're involved deeply in a lot of stuff. So cutting out the time to do such a large endeavor had to uh also be a task for you.
1: Well, considering COVID has uh, pretty much knocked my gigs down to nearly nothing, <laughs> that w- that wasn't such a big deal. It was actually a great time to to be creative because there was, uh, so little, so little gigs, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I have a full-time teaching, um, career, um, teaching harmonica privately. And, uh, so it definitely, there were, you know, as a harmonica teacher, when you take a day off, you don't get holiday pay. And, uh, and so, you know, probably between rehearsals and actual recording, there was probably around 10 days that I had to take off to make this happen. And uh, and so be it, you know. I'm, well, you know, I'll tell was, you,
0: you've got yeah. wonderful testimonies um, from your students and people that have studied under you. I believe there's some written insight here. But honestly, um, the reception of your podcasts in my site and um, on social media, pays testament to your students really appreciating you and needing you there so i'm sure that's part of the sacrifice that they paid a little bit for this to be done and and i think they're okay with that you know
1: yeah i think they're okay and and they, i hope they know i appreciate them very much
0: oh, i think you they know? do uh, you know the covid hitting the music scene has been a tough one um all over and for everyone, so we all can appreciate that, that that work in the industry and that gig. We lost so many, and they're slow at coming back. I I booked one today, and it's just been like nothing compared to before. However, I'm hopeful that it's changing. It seems to be mellowing out a little bit as we reach herd immunity, I guess, and we have more treatments. We we gave, we got the COVID here. It was tough and uh, sorry yeah it, we got the omicron the whole house so we were all pretty sick at the same time and it took a couple weeks it you know was it had three or four rough days and then it just kind of little things lingered and it's gone so so i'm, yeah, my, I'm grateful that we were all okay
1: <laughs> my children got it but it, it really didn't affect them very much and the grown-ups in the house did not um but, uh, of course, many family members, uh, it, you know, I, I've got some people who are really affected by it. It's, it's, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't want to diminish anybody's experience. You yeah. Know, it's been a tough time for a lot of people.
0: It certainly has. And, and we wouldn't by in no means do that. And I think um, we've got a lot of uh, things that are tough in the world, especially right now. And we seem to be coming through difficult times as always in life and music is a healer and it really is helpful and necessary and more now than probably ever. So I think it's a good time to release a CD and it's a good time to get back out there and start playing music. I see you posted that uh, you have an interesting thing next. This this is probably going to air after that, but you have a nice thing going on Tuesday
1: um, yeah tuesday um uh it's going to be march 8th and it's the austin music award so you know just like most major cities we have kind of our own personal grammys and um and so i'm going to be performing uh in two situations there and uh hopefully it's a real special night you
0: oh know? it will be you know i've noticed that uh people are just antsy to get out. And so the things that we've done, they've been bigger than they were before, because everyone, everyone wants to be out amongst uh, the music and the people and just dress up and celebrate. You know, I, I, it's so fun. I watch, uh, and you're a great MC as well. You you host at spa, you host um, an evening of music and you do a great job. You're so charismatic and you do a wonderful job at that as well. So you have a lot of talent Thank you. and uh, Thank you. I, I just want you to know that we appreciate you and, and what you're doing. And I'm so happy for uh-huh. you. I was listening and I have to tell you, there's a lot of, in the harmonica world, it, I think that harmonica players can identify different harmonica players even if they're playing similar styles you know and you can hear the influence of things and you can hear your own thing and it it we kind of influence each other so I noticed in a lot of your tunes I could hear influence of maybe a different player but yet your own spin on it does that okay make sense? great
1: and, sure, and I,
0: yeah yeah don't you think I mean yeah. you know you go oh, that's so and so and and I take pride in that if we're and now I've got Julio doing it when we're out riding in the car and he'll start trying to identify him. And I go, you know, I think you're right. And so, and I think that's important with harmonica because it is our voice. It is our breath. And, um, so I did notice that in listening and I, I have to tell you, I, I fell in love with, uh, the rodeo song.
1: Oh, old rodeo dreams. Yeah, I that's love a- it. That's great. So that's a it's uh it's kind of a country song. It's 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 the most country song on the album, and um, and we got um, a, a pianist who really specializes in in uh, country piano to help us out. Her name is Emily Gimble, and uh, she has a, a great history in uh, in country music. Her grandfather is Johnny Gimble, the fiddle player. Um, so, uh, so in any case, uh, yeah, it's that song, you know, it's, it's, I, I used to work with a singer songwriter whose family was in the rodeo. And so he told a lot of rodeo stories. And so I kind of started off writing that song for him and, you know, that, uh, then it kind of became about having dreams in life, such as, such as music that, very difficult dreams to actually achieve a, a brass ring with, you know. But that you can't really let these dreams go. They 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 stay with you even if you have to experience them in a smaller way than than you might have fantasized about when you were a teenager, you know. Um, and uh, there's uh, there's some sadder meaning that I've connected to it over. You know, my mom passed away in uh, May of last year, and I couldn't get out to see her because of COVID. And I I just I had just had my second shot, and and the doctor said, "Don't worry, she's got six months to live. You'll go see her in two weeks. It'll be fine." And then she died a couple of days later. So when I you know sing, when I sing the part in Old Rodeo Dreams about those those uh, long eight seconds, they bucked me off to me, I, I kind of connected to that situation. So the song has a, some special meanings to me that may not, may not be for everybody, but yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you like the song.
0: No, you know, I, I feel it. I'm one of those people that uh, connect deeply. Uh, I've always been that child, you know, that uh, connected deeply and it, it felt special to me and I can relate because I wrote a song, Dusty Rhodes and, and, my mom had passed. And the first time I tried Mm. to perform that live, I cried and I've never done that in public. And I had to stop, which I never do. And, but it touched everybody to where they hugged me. And, you know, it was great. And then I went back to the show once I figured it out. So each song that you write is a deeper meaning of your breath, just as your harmonic plane is your breath, your life force. And that there's no deeper connection than your mother to your personal life force you know is it's a deeper connection and it's a heavy loss and um i'm sorry but i'm from a town called rodeo so that too probably i like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. but they're they're rodeo dreams yeah and i'll tell you julio listened with me and he's like oh i hear echoes of mr estrin in there there's humor and listen to that so so we're gonna listen to Old Rodeo Dreams, it's number three on the CD. I'll worry if I wanna. <laughs>
2: I was riding straight, straight to the top Those long eight seconds, they bucked me off But I can't let go of them old rodeo dreams I went to the ocean, looked out to the sea I couldn't see nothing in this world for me, but I can't let go of the moon rodeo.
1: Well, definitely Rick Estrin, uh, you know, is is a national treasure, especially in the in the harmonica world. And when I was uh, a teenager, I went to college in Sonoma, which uh, was is very close to Sacramento, where Rick lives. So he would come through town around once every three months, and I would go to see him. And he was always very kind and let me backstage and listen to my playing and and give me little free lessons, you know. Um but really one of the main things he did was, you know, at the time the Nightcats were extremely popular. The place would be packed to the gills, and I was convinced that being a harmonica player singer was the hippest thing you could do with your life. And uh and then, you know, his lyrics were so funny and it really it really uh convinced me that having humor in your blues was uh, a really good thing and so hopefully uh people people like the humor in these songs and 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 uh and hopefully uh you know I love the way that Rick does it but hopefully they see that I do it a little different way
0: Oh yes of course I mean um there's absolutely no one that is going to imitate anyone perfectly even little walter everybody tries to emulate little walter but you know they're not little walter and the highest right. compliment is that we all aspire to uh, to try to achieve as greatly. And, you know, that's the personal thing about when you do your own CD, that you're putting it out there for the world. It's your music. It's brand new. No one's heard it. But they may hear a flavor of something because of your influence and what you're trying to achieve there with the humor, which which you've got in here. It's pretty funny. You got the Kama Sutra girl and you got the beer belly Baby, which on your uh, cartoon looks like you, you got a little one starting there. Oh,
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what's I? I don't think Dan, the guy who drew the cartoon, was aware of this. But when I sing "Beer Belly Baby," I can roll my stomach, and there's always a moment when I pull up and I show my stomach and I roll, and uh, and you can't see that on the on the on the album, you know. So I feel kind of like when he put that on the cartoon in the front, it was a little there was a little connection there that he didn't know about, but I did.
0: Yeah.
3: No,
1: um, I
0: caught it here. I look at it and go, i I'll yeah. go <laughs> yeah.
1: And both of those tunes and, and little rabbit. Uh, so little rabbit, comma, such girl and beer belly baby have, you know, I wrote the, all those tunes when I was in my early twenties and there have been rewrites, you know, in the last, last 30 years, but those, those tunes have, have stood me really well. And, and, uh, you know, if I, own, if I only have one song that I'm allowed to sing in a performance situation, I almost always will choose "Beer Belly Baby" because people love that. People love that song, and yeah. so
0: yeah, uh, and know. yeah, and that's that's the thing is you'll you'll get once your CDs out there, people are going to yell up at you, "Beer Belly Baby," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is yeah. wonderful. Well, back to uh, uh, Rick Estrin and the Nightcats, they are celebrating the life and the music of little Charlie Beatty at um, uh, March uh, Thursday, March 10th. It's sold out. It's at Harlow's in Sacramento. And so uh, they are giving tribute to their past in that. And I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a great show. I, I don't get to see it. I'm going to be in Monterey. But I just thought I'd add that because it kind of goes back to what you're talking about, uh, the big influence of them and their past as well as as now, you know, and being being an example of blues doesn't have to make you cry, it can make you laugh till you cry, you know, so that's a good, um, that's a good approach for sure. So uh, what do you what is your advice to uh, as someone aspiring to make their own CD now that you've done the whole process?
1: Well, I think the the core of the core of what you're doing is songs right and so you could put out an album of of all covers and people do you'll buy a harmonica players album and it's 10 little walter songs but to me little walter will always do little walter songs better than i will and so uh having original music uh is very important to me and the song really matters and you know when, when you certain guys uh and when I say guy I mean uh men or women that's just uh a uh a, a I get loose it term I always me. work with the guy um,
0: I'm one of the guys. Yeah. I get you <laughs>
1: yeah so cer- certain uh harmonica players you know when you listen to their album it's it's somebody takes a solo, and then you sing three verses, and then somebody takes a solo, and then it's the end of the, the end of the song. But you listen to other people, and there's a um, melody on the harmonica at the beginning and the end of the song. There's a bridge. There may be a chorus, right? Things that make songs actual songs as opposed to just playing the 12 bar blues progression for three minutes and everybody gets a solo and you sing a couple of verses and you're done. So to me, that would be the main thing I would uh, really think about is, is you're not just trying to fill up an hour's worth of music, you're trying to make good songs. And when it comes time to take a solo, you're not just trying to show everybody that you're the greatest harmonica player in the world, you're trying to play a solo where the music you are making has a connection to the song. So getting that under your belt, I think, is, is, is uh, the main thing, you know? So what I would do is I would set aside time every day to write songs and in order to come up with the 10 or the 9 songs you hear on the album i probably wrote around 50 to 100 really terrible songs and then uh, and then these songs were good so you know you have to you have to allow yourself to be bad and just keep on writing and set aside time for writing just like you set aside time to practice harmonica you have to set aside time for writing once those songs come into place, what I did is I had a guitarist who I I paid to record the backing tracks of that song, and then I used a program called The Amazing Slow Downer, where I was able to speed it up or slow it down and change the key, and I would make recordings of me singing and playing harmonica. And so if you look at my poor iPhone, there's probably 3,000 recordings that led to the the versions of the songs that you hear. and uh, And then I suggest you find a producer, somebody who knows more about this stuff than you do, right? Well, and find the right musicians and find the right place to record and to master. So to me, that moment of finding the right producer, you know, and Josh Filero was a great, great producer. Um, To me, that's, that's, it's a very big part of it. All right. I guess that's my advice.
0: So find a producer and, and, um, write a bunch of terrible songs to get that good one. (laughs) I think we can relate to that. I, I just did a podcast with Charles Baroth and his, cd is a mostly original as well if you i don't know if you listen to the podcast but oh, i've podcast.
1: definitely heard that album it's great
0: yeah it is and he's a fun yay, guy. charlie barat he is yay charlie and he said similar things we we talked about i have an iphone as well where i'll get a hook and i there's i've filled up several iphones you know and they're still in there for the day that i get a chance to sit down and work them out um but that and then theory understanding music understanding songwriting because um there's different skill sets there there's different degrees there I mean if you think like you said it 12 bar that has a certain formula that that works for a reason and people use it but then there's other things like a chorus and then a bridge and a hook that's in the chorus and then something that grabs and tells a story and I studied under um in school of Berkeley online songwriting with Pat Peterson and um, I had to write songs and turn them into him, and it it was tough. I, it was every day I had to get in there and, and and pull stuff out of your hat. And it it isn't that e- Always that easy to get the formula right, like you said. So it's not like oh, I'm going to go do a CD tomorrow. This took years. It didn't just pop out of your hat. It really takes dedication and years of doing and writing and figuring it out. And yeah, so that end of it, like you say, is do that work and then get a producer <laughs> and you're right. lucky you're in a place where you've got great musicians and producers and you're just in the heart of everything and that's so awesome we have people here singer songwriters that uh that have hired producers and that some of them have moved here from bigger areas where they were they were quite um well known but due yeah. to the situations they moved here so we were lucky on a lot of fronts here they that we have a lot of people that have gravitated to this area and are singer-songwriters. So you can, believe it or not, get a good array of musicians in a tiny area. But it's hard to make it. It's like some people do and some people don't. What exactly the formula is there is hard to figure because there's amazing talent out there, um, as we all know, that, that don't make it. For whatever reason. And it's a tough business.
1: Yeah. In terms of the business side, what I really recommend people do is to set goals and to start very small and say, you know, first off, talking about advice for making it as a musician, I think the first thing you have to do is decide what is acceptable music work for you. So for some people, for example, teaching would not be acceptable. But for me, it was. So you decide what you're willing to consider music work. And then I think making goals is, is the big deal. So, you know, on your first month, you might say, I'm going to make $50 at music. And if the last day of the month comes and you haven't made $50, it's time to get a guitar case and go down to the corner of the busiest street and play your music until you have $50. $50 make that goal and then the next month raise the goal so you're making a hundred dollars the second month and you just keep raising and after a while you have figured out many many different ways to make money in music and then you know you have a career and
0: know. that and that exposure and doing is the best teacher because you're actually out there learning and doing I think you have to be brave too.
1: For sure. (laughs) For sure. There are so many things in this world telling us that you can't make it as a musician. And a lot of those things, uh, although my family, my family was always very supportive. They were, they were extremely scared and the fear, uh, the fear showed, you know, I, I saw it, you know, my, my, both my parents were like, "Whatever you want, we support you." But they they were nervous, and so, you know, I, I really had to trust that I had what it took to make it happen, you know, and uh, and I think that that message that you can't make it in the in in life as an artist is a very widespread message in the world, and I think it's completely ridiculous. There are so many artists in the world who have made a living doing what they're doing. And there's absolutely no reason why you can't be one of them.
0: Well, exactly. I'm I'm in charge of a large public art project with other artists and we got the money to pay them. And you would be surprised at the excuses as why we shouldn't be paying them that they make. And I tell, and I stop and say, you deserve this. I wanna make sure this happens for you even on any level, if you're, you, you have to believe you are worth the pay. You honestly have to believe that. And that's not an easy thing when the world's telling you it's impossible. But, uh, I'm proud of myself because I'm, I have made a living at my art and I do continue to, and that's rare. That's rare. And it was just, Pure determination and not going to give up and just keep going. And you get knocked down, you get back up. And that's with everything in life. But with art and music, it's especially hard. And it does carry that burden of approval by the universe and by people in the world. And so
1: there's, yeah, so true. There's so many, there's so many connotations about what money means in our society. But one of the connotations, I think, is, is is the most accurate is that passing the money from one hand to another is our way of showing respect for another person. And so it is the very unusual situation, and it generally has to be a charity situation where I will not where I will work for free. And I don't necessarily need a lot of money, but I need a sign of respect. And it's as simple as that. And, uh, you know, every now and then, I'll I'll work with a student, for example, who'll uh, cancel a class last minute, and I'll say, oh, that's fine, but please pay me for my time. And they'll try and give me trouble about it, you know, most of the time they're fine, but they'll try and give me trouble about it, and I'll let them know. Well, that's fine. We don't need to work together. And they are amazed at how quickly I just say, "Okay," you know. You don't want to respect me. It's that's fine. We are separating. You know. I understand. And, that. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's as simple as that. It, you know, it's it's to me that's what money mostly is about. is is a It's a symbol of respect. And as an artist, you deserve respect. Your and time is I, valuable. I want to
0: take this moment to thank you very much for um, donating to my fundraiser for where I, we, we oh, are, yeah, I really, I really um, appreciate that. And I felt the kindness and the respect. And I agree it, it is a matter of showing that you appreciate what you got from that person and in the form of art, music or anything that they have taken the time to learn and to bring to you. It's a lot of work and so though you love it, you have to draw that line and it is a matter of respect. So I and I have that code in my life as well. So thank you. I want to thank you for the fundraiser and I want to thank you for your time here today because people listen to this and they get advice and they probably will make decisions based on that advice and it's good learned hard learned advice. You know? So back onto your CD. Um, what song, I, I know this is a strange question to ask, but what song um, do you maybe like the most or feel the most about the words? I mean, I don't know if you can do that with your songs, because sure. I love
1: all of them. Okay. I do I do love all of them. Um, probably just in terms of the way the song uh, turned out as a song. I love the title song, I'll Worry If I Wanna. I just... You know, I I love the uh, I love the singing. I love the guitar solo. I love the harmonica solo. I just the feeling of the song in general. The guitarist throughout is so good. Mike Keller used to be with the Fabulous Thunderbirds, and you know, I I really thought about calling the CD Mike Keller plays guitar because he's just so good. Um, but in any case, uh, t- you know, to me, the song that has uh, the the deepest meaning for me is Chain Letter Blues, which is a slow blues. That uh, talks about receiving a chain letter as a child, and this actually happened to me, and I was very upset because I was worried that if I if I didn't send it off, I was going to get bad luck, and I asked my mother for advice, and she wouldn't give me advice. She said you have to make your own choice about whether or not you believe that this letter will get you uh, bad luck if you don't send it off. And I think in the end, I, I didn't send it off, but I was very, very worried. But at the end of the song, the mother in the song who is not this is not what my mother actually did. My mother was not interested in, in what we're going to talk about now. Um, at the end of the song, the mother says, it's time to go to church, time to go to Sunday school, because if you don't uh, if you don't uh, believe in what the church says, you're going to have eternal punishment. And, uh, and to me, the evidence for that is, is as much evidence as there is for a chain letter causing bad luck. And personally, I'm fine with anybody's religion. I'm, I think it's great. If you found something that, that helps guide you through this life, that's the wonderful thing. But I have deep concern about indoctrination through fear, especially with children involved. And uh, so that's what that song's about. It's not really my way of saying religion is bad. I don't think religion is bad. It's my way to say indoctrination through fear is bad.
0: I agree with that completely. You know, um, I got that chain letter too as a kid, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but my dad um was a salesman and he told me oh don't worry it's just a pyramid scheme throw it away <laughs> you know and he, he'd always tell me yeah um so we're talking you know, about your cd here and we're yes. talking about the philosophy of some of the songs um that are are um salt and peppered with the past in your life and how you want to portray yourself really when you when you think about that you don't want to live in fear you want to live in hope and you want to live in love and you want to live in peace and all the things that uh, we all really want here on on this planet of ours. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that one is chain letter blues. Uh, That's, that's great. I Mm -hmm. gave everything a once through this morning, because I just got my CD everybody yesterday when I was getting off of work. And so I want to give it a deeper listen. But I got to tell you one another one that stuck out in my head with the words too is, because I love this,
2: can we break up again yeah that's, that's a great
1: one and that that song took me uh 30 years to write because i just couldn't find the correct approach to have it make sense and i finally realized um that it was about a guy who was angry about the breakup with his la- with his uh recent ex-girlfriend because she's she's had arguments about his misbehavior that he just didn't think was fair and so he wanted to break up again so he could tell her uh his side of the story and as uh he tells her his side of the story it becomes clear that he's really not the best boyfriend and it was it was time for him to go you know so for example you know she's he says you call me irresponsible but the kids like that extra hour at school and uh you know things like that so it, it's 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 a cute song I think the there's another one I like in there where it says something like um I talked politics at your work party I did your boss needed to be told and <laughs> you know so it's a fun song and uh, once i found once i found the the way to approach it 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 came pretty easily but i i must have tried 10 different approaches cuz i loved the the line can we break up again but i i just couldn't figure out how to make it work and uh, so i'm glad i did i'm yeah, glad you, you like it
0: yeah you did and you know that was another thing on the songwriting course, um, when I was taking that is that it needs to tell a story, it needs to be a good story, and it needs to resolve itself. You know, um, I've written some songs and had them critiqued. And it's like, well, I didn't quite understand this part, because I hadn't resolved it in the song. You know, you got to come back and rework it and, and get it so that the story is complete. And it resolves and it's, and you're, that one's fun. I was sitting there listening going, oh man, I can think of all kinds of things I could have said. So it puts you in the space as the listener in the first person, you're all of a sudden you're relating to it, you're understanding the perspective and you can see how you would have handled it. That is, I think, a key to writing songs is to get your audience to where they relate as if it were themselves. You, don't you in a way think that's important
1: and definitely, and I think that having a point of view in the song, you know, I was an English major, and we talked a lot about you know the narrator and is the narrator omniscient is the narrator a character in the story? how much does the narrator know and what 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 is the uh What does the narrator believe happened and what actually happened? Maybe two different things, you know?
0: Yeah. Great uh, writing. It it just keeps you on, keeps you engaged instead of eh, whatever, you know, it keeps you right in there and, and that's an important factor. And it's not that easily achieved, you know, I mean, like you said, 30 years.
1: Right. Yeah. For one song.
0: For one song. (laughs) Boy, we're having a good time here at this interview, I'll tell you. It's always a pleasure. We're going to play now, Can We Break Up Again, by Michael Rubinoff of his CD. It's number five.
2: break up again hello baby can we break up again cuz there's something on my mind I wished I'd said back when you said a grown man should own a car what are you doing to save the planet I got mad when I swore in church Well at least I said, God damn it I didn't put the groceries in the fridge I didn't want them to get cold I talked politics at your work party I did, your boss needed to be told Hello baby Can we break up again? Cause there's something on my mind I wished I'd said back when all the covers I was helping you keep cool you call me irresponsible but the kids like that extra hour at school I never cleaned the house then how come it was always clean I wasn't trying to be rude to your mama I was trying to be mean hello baby can we break up again cause there's something on my mind I'd said back when you I love you? What about that one time when we were first dating? I didn't pay my half of the bills? What part of the patriarchy are you perpetuating? Our relationship should have been the one place neither felt we had to come to eat. When we're done breaking up this time you're gonna know the agony of defeat. Hello baby Can we break up again? Cause there's something on my mind that said back when
0: oh so it so what um so you're going to be having this published as you said in um the end of april
1: and april 29th is the release date so it'll be streaming on all the all the all the regular platforms but if you want a hard copy now um you can, or, or then you can, uh, contact me at Michael at harmonica at gmail.com. And, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how to get the money to me. And, uh, it's $15 for a copy in the continental U S and, and I'll send you a copy.
0: Yeah. I think that's wonderful. Um, to have a hard copy of things. I, I lose things in my computer, you know, on my downloads and I, and i I had some problems with computers and then I lost all this music, but fortunately I backed it up. So I got hard drives out because I have a lot of harmonica stuff because people send me and I had the radio and I do the podcast. So I get a lot and, um, I sat there and put them all in and then lost them. And then, oh, no worries. I have the hard copy in my hand. And plus what better way to, um, to really have something is is hard copy, even though we are in a world of digital and digital is great. I'm not discouraging downloading tunes. I'm just saying, get your hands on this hard copy. So I'm going to include the link to all that after I release this before his release, which we're doing this in March. That's why we have talked about a few events that are happening around in March. But if so when you're hearing this, you won't get to actually go to those events, but um but that's okay, because more will happen. Also, um, visit him and for lessons. You do Skype lessons, correct?
1: Or Zoom? Definitely. Or... Whatever, whatever platform you use, I use them all. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, lessons for me are, are uh, kind of a mind, body, spirit experience. You know, we talk about how to choose good-sounding notes, and we talk about how to physically play the harmonica. And we talk about how to build a philosophy so that you have an opinion on what good and bad music means to you that can help direct you to find your own style. So I, I really try and uh, have a very holistic approach to the lessons
0: and And you can hear that, everybody. on his on this CD, you can hear very, very many different styles of harmonica and playing. I think on 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 the cow, milk your own cow, you're playing. A whole bunch of harmonica parts, even
1: animal I parts. Play, yeah, I I play <laughs> I play two harmonicas. Um, the opening uh, is a double low F harmonica played through uh, an amp and a microphone, and in the middle, I because it's uh, it's all about cows, and then so in the middle, I shout out, "What do you think about it, chickens?" And then I kind of do a chicken scratch kind of solo on it's on a low F harmonica, but it's in first position on the high part of the harmonica kind of like Jimmy Reed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. uh, I noticed that I, the lows are the low harmonicas like that are really great to go on up to that high end. Um, and a lot of people don't do that. I I don't think so. Yeah. I didn't know that I had listened and I didn't know you were up at the high end on that on your low harmonica, but, uh, I have a song I do in low harmonic low F and it's in the middle so it doesn't really sound like a low F, but it's a, it's a right. nice sound. I, I think the tunings on the low harps are really nice and fun to work For with. For sure. And you get, get different effects like you did in there, in that song. And in, in all of them, I, are you, you're playing chromatic as well in some, or?
1: I play chromatic on, I think, four out of the nine songs. The very last song is an instrumental, which uh, it's called Fourth Coast. So it's on a C harmonica but it's in the key of A, so that's called fourth position on a harmonica. So that's why the song is called Fourth Coast. Uh, it's a 16-hole chromatic, and I play through an amp. So, you know, shifting the microphone to be over the correct area of, you know, where I'm playing was, was challenging. Um, and then uh, on Can We Break Up Again, I use a special chromatic called a bebop-tuned chromatic. And so what you do on a bebop tune, normally four blow and five blow are both the note C. Mm -hmm. And so on a bebop tune, chromatic four blow becomes B flat and four blow with the button becomes B. And this really enables you to easily play uh, a a bebop scale, which is C, D, E, F, G, A, B flat, B, C. So very easy to play that. But it also enables you to play Uh, more combinations of double stops. Double stops mean when you play uh, two notes at the same time. So on a regular chromatic, the blow notes are C, E, G. And so you could combine C and E, E and G, and G and C. Now we've got C, E, G, B-flat, and we can add three more double stops, C and B-flat, E and B-flat, and G and B-flat. And then the same thing goes up a half step when you push the button in. And so what you're able to have is six more double stops than you do on a standard chromatic. And so it really enables you to create the feeling that there's two melodies going in two separate directions at the same time.
0: Yeah. That's so interesting. You know, you noticing these things and thank you for explaining because um, who knew, I mean, there's so much to know about harmonica and people are like, well, it's just this little instrument. I'm like, no, it's very involved. There's so many tunings. There's so much to learn. There's so much to know. It's not a little toy. Uh, It's a very, very interesting um, instrument that a lot of creative people are doing really wild things with. And so you have to keep up with it. It's, it's um, It's kind of evolutionary, I guess, is what's happening with it. You know, it's, it's ever changing and, and people like yourself are understanding and teaching that. And it, it, it takes that everybody out there. It takes a good teacher uh, to help you understand all of it. And in this album, he's got so much going on that you really, you need to understand that it's taken him your life to, to teach and understand the instrument at the level that you do. So we appreciate Definitely. that. <laughs> we appreciate it. Yeah. Um, as I said, I know that your students just appreciate everything. And students are students when they actually get it and those little lights go on, then they're hungry for more. And in your, you're doing your job.
1: It's a wonderful feeling when a student really gets something. There's no question about it. And, uh, you know, but I also think that there's something to be said for allowing yourself not to necessarily get it and to say you know music is is not it's not a competition it's not about winning it's not about improving it's about spending time in a musical situation and experiencing music and so sometimes you know i may work with somebody who has difficulty understanding what's going on with music but I really believe that they are still—they are still getting something from it. They're getting to be in a musical situation, and a lot of people spend their life wishing that they could be in a musical situation, and they just don't understand how to make it happen. So I'm not—you know—you don't have to come take lessons from me, but uh, although I'd love it, but to put yourself in a musical situation, whether or not it's a lesson or uh, or a jam session or just picking up a harmonica and putting it in your mouth and making sounds, that there's something very special about music and that everybody deserves to have some music time in their life. And it doesn't have to be about becoming the greatest musician that ever was.
0: Boy, that's for sure. You know, that's um, exactly why I have been hosting our singer-songwriter open mic um, here in our local setting because they come and they can get up. They get to to learn how to be on stage. Um, They're always welcomed. It doesn't matter the degree or how good they are. We get some really great people that come in from all over because we've been doing it a while and we get some very beginners and that's the whole reason for doing it. It's not about a competition or who's going to win or who's going to get the most gigs or who's going to get the farthest. Of course, you need that drive if you are going to get far. You've got to be somewhat ambitious if you're going to go out there and get as as far as you want. But not everybody's game is that. Everybody's game is could be not a game at all, just stress release, or just for the love of it, or because it's fun. You know, yeah, I agree hundred percent that giving people the opportunity to perform and and see if it's for them or not or see if they want to pursue it, it is is because it, that desire's there I, I think in everybody you know i think that a lot of us say because i teach and i have the kids and you know and i i do that myself as well as you do and just having that opportunity and i found they'll go home and if they get the bug they'll uh, they'll go home and practice and start working on their songs and we've had a lot of songwriters and people that have come through our open mic that now have produced a CD that mm. they, they've got out there. And it's, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's why it's part of why you probably probably, it, it's part of the drive um, as a teacher I
1: think, you have. I think even the greatest musician, if you were to look at the first moment there is a moment when either they heard somebody play music or they put an instrument in their hands or their mouth and they made a sound. And there was that first moment of, this is cool. And that, that's enough. That, that, that you could have... They could take it as far as they want in their life. But the starting point was of just pure appreciation for the wonder of music. And I would I would venture to guess that almost all professional musicians would have that same story. I know I do.
0: Yeah, I talked to a lot of people through the podcast, and it is a similar story that the first time that, that they just, whoa, I was hooked, that's that's for me. And uh, either and some people are born into a family where there's just a lot of music around. You know, and there's a lot of people in the family that, that play music and that that helps too. It, it, it get you motivated because you did it for fun with your family or you went to church and you sang a gospel song and man, that was it. You know, you you heard Elvis and you went, whoa, I want to sing." you know. So, yeah, it's, let, it is that first spark.
1: Yeah. I've let my daughters know that as long as they become professional harmonica players first, they can do whatever they want with the rest of their lives.
0: Right on. I agree. Go girls. We've got some. We've got some talent out there in the little kids. Uh, you, you know, around the world playing harmonica. They're mind blowing. You know, that little. Um, yeah, I Pixie watch them all. Lou. Pixie, exactly. At <laughs> her birthday. Oh my gosh, she is too cute. <laughs> oh, that she that can, face.
1: She can really play, and and wow. she can improvise, and she can she can read, and and she can do jazz, classical, and blues. I'm really, really amazed. I think she, out of all the child prodigies I've seen, I think she's the strongest. And I remember first seeing her when she was like five, and I, I shared one of her videos, and everybody said, This is lip syncing. You know, she's not really playing. She just put a harmonica to her mouth while there's a recording. I said, No, no, no. Look at where the harmonica is in relationship to the note. Look at her cheeks blowing out at the correct time it would take longer to learn how to lip sync than it would to play, you know? And anyway, she's, she's a wonder to me.
0: Oh, and she's so cute. You know, and she, she, that little face, uh, they had her on the spa zoom member and she kept, you could mm-hmm. see her and she'd pop up and it was just adorable. It, and her watching <laughs> herself, it was just, Oh, priceless, just priceless. Yeah. That that's kind of not your average for sure. you you know, You'd want to, yes, it's very unusual, but awesome. And just a gift. And so we appreciate the gift and we, and we also know it's, we don't all have that immediate gift with anything. We have to work at it. Yeah. So I can remember one time um, at a concert with David Barrett's masterclasses and they had brought in a child prodigy there from uh, Japan and, um, it, all the masters were up there on stage and he came out and and Howard Levy said, it's always the kids.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, fun stuff. Well, we're looking forward to to um, hearing this. I'm going to play, if it's okay with you, a few songs in this podcast. Oh, please. And um, I try to make them. They've been getting lengthier lately uh, when I'm doing these, but I try to keep them you know, at a certain time limit. um, But uh, they're not having problems getting downloaded and listening to. So I think that people don't care how long they are um, at this point, you know, and so I'm really pleased with that. And I'm happy for the audience out there. And I'm I'm trying to bring in a few a month uh, with my schedule. It's hard, but I'm trying and I want to do them and I want to consistently do them. And so Michael Rubin has been kind enough now to do several of these. And he's, he's one of the well, most well received and downloaded that I have out there. So um, I appreciate your time on this, Michael, and I wish you all the best. And I thank you so much for my copy. Um, It's in my playlist. And sometimes I do podcasts without, um, an interview and I'll just do it on a subject or something. So is it all right with you from time to time if I use some of these? Oh, please. Okay.
1: Please. Good. That's great. Thank you so much for having me on and, and, you know, for having me on a, a few times, it's, it's really, it's really, uh helped me. So I really appreciate it. And um, yeah. that is good. You're the greatest. You are too, sir. You have a good day.
0: What a fun interview. I'm telling you, it's always insightful and I learned so much talking with Michael, and I feel he really um, told us in depth about the process and his songs and really, really, really fun stuff. And I'm going to leave us now with Fourth Coast. It's the last song on his CD, and he talked about that a bit earlier, about the position in the harmonica. I learned a whole lot about the different types of harmonica that um, he has on this CD. So, your hard copy's waiting, or your download, and the information will be below this podcast for you to be able to go and find that. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Harmonica Lady, and as always, enjoy local, regional, world music. <laughs>